Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 107. My name is Brad. I'm joined as always with my dear friend, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing? Yes. Yes. I'm doing. Doing. We are coming at you uh, on a Tuesday morning for us, a little bit later than we normally record, but we're excited to get here and finish up First Timothy. Normally, we're breaking our pattern a little bit. We're going to ju- finish up First Timothy back to back, and then we'll kind of see what we're going, where we're going next. Posted on Facebook the other day that we were 50-something downloads away from 10,000 lifetime downloads, and as of recording right now, at this moment on Tuesday morning, we are eight away from 10,000. So we are going to go ahead and say that we have hit the 10,000 mark by the time this episode comes out. We're confident. We're confident we'll get at least eight downloads on this episode, and we will be at 10,000 all time. We'll hit the applause button for it. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. 10,000 downloads over 107 episodes. It's pretty awesome. Two years. Two years worth of work. Um, We're going to keep going, keep plugging away, see what the next two years holds. So we thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for downloading. Honestly, it, it, you look at daily numbers or you look at episode-specific numbers and you're like, oh, this is staying pretty steady. And sometimes it's low. Sometimes it's a little higher depending on the topic and on the episode. But to see the full number at 10,000 is pretty legit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, so it's we're encouraging. pretty encouraged by that. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting. Social media, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, uh, patreon.com slash logos, L-O-G-O-S, to support us financially if you feel so inclined. With that said, we are going to jump in and finish up First Timothy chapter yeah, 6. let's do it. And we left off after or at, at the end of verse 13, and we kind of cut it off in the middle of like a full run-on sentence, which you know, <laughs> he likes to do so. We, we're going to start at verse 11, read through 21, and then we're going to jump over to verse 14. Actually, yeah, we'll just start in verse 14 uh, after we read, just kind of a recap, just to kind of get us where we're going. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, please go back and listen to uh, the whole thing of First Timothy. Start in chapter 1, and then jump into this episode as you finish the chapter or the whole book and we will uh have walked through the whole thing together so be cool we're excited to finish this up so let's uh austin want you read verses 11 through 21 but as for you O man of god flee these things pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, 
so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith. Grace be to you. This is the reading of God's word. So we actually stopped in verse 14. Uh, we, we finished up the, the idea of keeping the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into verse 15 and kind of continue on that thought that says, which, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. In verse 16, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. You almost think that's where he's going to stop the the book right yeah. there. Like he's like, oh wait, one more thought. We'll get to that one more thought here in a moment, though. <laughs> the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. So this gets into eschatology, a topic and a subject when it comes to scripture that I, I just I haven't d- really dived into. I haven't really jumped in headfirst and really started picking apart my eschatology to to figure out where I land. Mainly because other things interest me a little bit. There's some of that, but also probably because it's so daunting. <laughs> the, the the end times is very daunting. Oh yeah, and there are so many avenues and 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 trails and paths that you can take that are all so vastly different from each other. Oh, they are. Yeah, and, and pre mill, ah mill, post mill. Pre-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, no rapture. Like, there are so many ways you can go down that path. I've heard a lot of them, and I just, I, I, you get overwhelmed. <laughs> so I look at this verse, and I simply say exactly what it says. He will display at the proper time. Yep. The returning of our Lord Jesus Christ will happen when it's supposed to happen. And a lot of the debate and a lot of the discussion and a lot of that to me is like, you know what? Let's look at that verse right there. It's going to happen when it happens. Yep. And that maybe that's not the best mentality to have, but I get so overwhelmed by that topic that that's where I end up landing. I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's just going to happen when it happens. Well, and and that's it. We go back to what is what is the scripture saying? Scripture says that he will come like a thief in the night. Nobody will know. Nobody will even be able to tell the time in which he will be around about coming it no one knows and what does he say it's be prepared be prepared all the time for when he does come uh going back to uh the wicks and and the virgins um keeping their their oils filled and their lamps on and those who do not keep theirs filled and keep extra oil um when they go and get some and the others go in with the bridegroom, the others get shut out. They, they don't get to come in because they, they didn't keep their lamps filled. So the, for me, this is also just a, a good reminder, saying you don't know when he's going to come. You need to be prepared, going back to standing firm on God's word, um, being sober-minded. That way you're able to keep watch um, at all times. Well, and it's good motivation to continue to live a life pleasing of the gospel, Yeah, right? It, yeah. There's there's a, a corny kind of cliche thing that Christian parents used to say or, or, or was kind of a thing for a while. Is, is that where you want to be when Jesus comes back? 
that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? So there's a little bit of truth to it. Of it's like, true, yeah. okay, be living a life knowing that he could come back. So get get your work done. Like, yeah. do, keep pressing on. Keep fighting the good fight and do what you're called to do because he's coming back at some point. Yeah. And we don't know when. And so it should motivate you to live a life worthy of your calling and worthy of, of the gospel. Yeah. Not to say you're going to be perfect, of course. We I think we've established that. Yeah. But that it's mo- it's motivating that remain faithful until he dies or until the Lord returns. So only sovereign, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, you would you would think that this would be an ending, but but Paul and his his last thoughts, which is cool. But again, just establishing who he's talking about. He's not talking about any false god, which I would hope once you read through Timothy or the rest of the scripture, it doesn't talk about it. whatever. <laughs> but the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lords who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. All right, so let's stop there. So, Because this is interesting. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. Well, okay, Paul, you're, you're a student of Scripture. Did not Moses look upon God? Correct? But is he talking about full frontal face looking upon the face um which which that could be what he's talking about but so what happened with with moses is moses was asking to see him and god replies it basically if you do you'll you'll die so what i'll do is i will hide you in this the cleft of this this mountain here and as i go i will allow you to look upon the back of me and he does so when i when i read this i Again, there is no problem scripture. There is no problem verse. This doesn't break scripture because a, right. a lot of people will try to use this to say, oh, scripture's not true. Well, because it contradicts it. And on top of that, God, his spirit is invisible here yeah. on earth. His spirit's invisible. And he's unapproachable in the sense that a sinful man has never been able to see or approach God in his full glory. That tracks very well with Moses. He was Moses was a sinful man, yeah. and he has never he as a sinful man was not able to see or approach him in his full glory. Yeah. Because why? God said, "If you see me in my full glory, you will surely die." Yeah, and so you can see my back as I walk away. Well, and even as he saw his back, though, God was covering him. Yeah, as in literally, he held him and kept him in place in the cleft of the mountain. So literally, God protected him. And let him see him. And when Moses came down from the mountain, they said what? He was, he glowing. was glowing. Yeah. 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 It's pretty cool. So, uh, of course, so it is. He is, his his glory and his splendor is so overwhelming to us as humans that we cannot fathom it. We cannot see it. We cannot experience it without dying. Yeah. Because of our sinful nature, because of our inability to earn any kind of favor with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and this gets into the, the om, omnipotence and talking about immortality versus eternal. Um, because so for us, we are eternal. We are eternal. Our, our souls yeah. are eternal, but we are not immortal. We are not, what's the other word? Not eternal, but another forever 
word? Infinite? Infinite, yes. So we're not infinite. Infinite meaning we have no beginning, we have no end. So God is infinite, God is immortal. We are eternal. There's the difference. Right. Because we were created, we have a beginning, but we will have no end. No end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. And, and, And like you said, we... We die, right? As humans, we die. What? I know. Amazing, right? I didn't know this. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it is, it is a, a distinction that, that we have. Th- this is where, and we've talked about this before, the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God kind of come into play, is his eternality, because he is eternal, but his eternality is communicable with us because our spirits and our souls are eternal. Right. But his immortality and his infinity are incommunicable. They, we don't have those. We right. we will we will not be infinite. We we have a beginning point. We have a point where, for me, September twenty third, nineteen eighty eight. That is my beginning. Actually, no, day of conception was my there beginning. There you point. go. Yeah. <laughs> day of conception was my beginning point. You need to ask your parents. I do not need to ask my parents that. <laughs> <laughs> date, Brad. Just nope. Just date. No, nope, I'm good. Your true, but, your true birthday. But my true birth date is as far as that, and and yes, my. <laughs> anyway, I'm anyway, sorry. but you know it's fine. Uh, Squirrel. Yeah, so I have a beginning point. He does not. So that his his infancy and his immortality are incommunicable. We we do not share those with God. We do share our eternity with Him because our souls and our spirits are eternal. They will last forever after this earth after we pass. So just, it's a good reminder in a good way, and I think Paul's doing a good job here of, of keeping us reminded of our place in this world, his place versus our place, where we stand versus where he stands, and who we are compared to him, which, by the way, is nothing. <laughs> but, right. But yeah, it, it's, it keeps a good perspective, and it keeps us, should keep us humble, in that no matter how godly we are, no matter how holy we deem ourselves we are on the same level as everybody else. and just going back to verse 11 again talking about whom we're serving here the sovereign the king of kings and the lord of lord lord of lords this is for pursuing righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness and gentleness again it's just another reminder that paul is giving to timothy this is whom you're serving and this is why you're serving him Again, we all we all need that. We all need that reminder every once in a while. To him be the honor, eternal dominion. Amen. So we agree. Again, his his omnipo- omnipotence, his omnipresence. He's everywhere. He is all powerful. He is the only sovereign. He's the only one who has control over everything at all times. At all times. At all times. Eternal dominion. Yeah. So so who's in charge, Brad? God's in charge. Over what? Everything. Hit us up in our comments. We can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so verse 17, as for the rich, and, and Paul goes back. This is weird. Paul, not weird, but this is interesting. Paul goes back to talking about riches, which he's been talking about throughout this whole chapter. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So this reiterates this idea that it's not bad in and of itself to be rich. It's not bad to have money. It's okay. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's okay to be wealthy as long as you keep things in the proper perspective. What Paul cautions against and what the Bible cautions against time and time again, what Jesus cautioned against is this idea that when you are rich, you end up relying on your money alone. 
Yeah. You don't rely on God. You put all your hope, all your eggs in the money basket. It's why, you know, you hear you hear that the lottery ruins people's lives. Yeah. Because they win this exorbitant amount of money and don't have a clue how to handle it. They put all their faith in that money and then all of a sudden it's gone. Yep. For whatever reason, whether they spent it, whether they lost it, whether it was stolen, whether there are so many ways you can lose your money and God's like, that's why you don't rely on that. Yeah. It is fleeting. It is not eternal. You're not taking your money with you when you die. It's not eternal. It doesn't have lasting eternal value. Yeah. So have it. That's fine. Be rich, I believe. That's fine. Yeah. But keep it in the right perspective. Well, it's interesting, too. When you start talking about multi-generational wealth, when you get the the father or the parents that that start to accrue this wealth and, and they are doing well, a lot of times it's they have a really good work ethic. They had an idea, especially, you know, in today's day and age, yeah. they had a great idea. They started a business, whatever it may be. And they built this awesome foundation. They built this awesome house and it's a failure when they get to their children, because then what you see is the dad had awesome work ethic and he built this, this busted his tail. Oh yeah. yeah. And you, you'll, you'll have one, one of two scenarios. One, You'll have the the dad starts getting older and he he can't do it anymore, so he hands it over to his kids. I mean, that's the obvious choice biblically. That's that's the choice, um, but he didn't establish any work ethic in his children, and so he gives it to his kids, or he didn't even he didn't share the vision of what he was doing with the business or the company or whatever it was, to where the kids get it, and it is money. That, that's pretty much all it is. Sure, they, they might continue the business to continue earning money, but it, it goes back to what, what Paul is writing Timothy. It goes back to the root of all kinds of evils being the love of money. And then you have the other scenario where the, the father, the parents, accrued all this wealth and they built this company, but then they look at their kids and be like, I busted my butt for this. None of this is yours. If you want it, buy it. Or business-wise. Or you'll have the parents that they they die, but they give all their money to this orphanage over there or this the church over here or just all these different places. But they don't give any of it to their kids, which is wrong. The scripture says you leave an inheritance for your right. children and your great your great grandchildren. Um, so for, for me in this, it's important to, especially with children and starting my own business. I'm like, I want to incorporate them in every aspect of my business, to where they see what I'm doing, they're learning what I'm doing, and I'm winning the heart of my child, and I'm trying to paint my vision in a way that it may one day become theirs. Now on the side of if they don't want it, that's cool. Right. But if I if I can do it in a way where I am also establishing their likes to where they enjoy roasting coffee, they enjoy going to other countries and planting coffee groves and I'm establishing work ethic, I'm establishing the needs that people have around the world and so I'm creating different avenues for different personalities for different likes. It's not just, I'm just roasting coffee, this is all I do, and if you don't like it, whatever. It's like, no, I, I am I am trying to win the heart of my children. 
you, you said the word the term work ethic, and I think that's the most important mm. thing in this area, especially when it comes to generational wealth. Yes. It's do your kids, if you're wealthy, still want to work. Yeah. You know, it's that cliche of that trust fund kid mm-hmm. who's just snobby and just kind of a jerk and doesn't really want to work. And, oh, oh, I have this job. I don't want to do it. Okay, I'll quit because I don't, I don't need this job. I don't need, the, I don't need the money. I don't need the work. I just, you know, my dad will take care of me. Mom, mom will take care of me, whatever the case is. That's where it becomes wrong. It's you have to try as a parent and, and really put forth an effort as a parent with money to say, no, kid, you're going to work for this. You are going to earn your earn your earn your earn your money. Earn earn what you're going to be given, <laughs> essentially, right? Right. Have that work ethic. Bust your tail and and do what you need to do to earn the money, earn the work. Yeah. Well, and so I want to go back to Matthew Matthew nineteen verse sixteen. The the rich young young ruler, or the the rich young man. Um. Because I think this this can answer a lot of it as well. Verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness on your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty with will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, again, you have this rich young man coming up to God, coming up to Jesus, saying, um, what act, what one thing or many things do I need to do to go to heaven? And Jesus answered him, you know, you got to keep the commandments. He's like, well, I'm doing that. And so the next thing that Jesus says is, well, go give away all your possessions, go give away your wealth. And it says the young man walks away sorrowful because he had a lot. And not getting into a whole bunch of stuff because we can spend so much time here, but what I what I think I'm seeing here is his love of his things, yeah. his love of his money. Who? What was he depending on? Exactly. Well, and he was a young man. Yeah. So where did his money come from? More than likely, it was probably because of his status. It's probably because of his father. Yeah. And so, and I, I won't, I won't throw that on on this guy because I, I don't know. It doesn't say that he didn't have any work ethic. Of course, but you you could argue that you could argue that he was not a, necessarily a trust fund baby, but that he accrued this wealth from his parents. That he did not do a whole lot to earn his status, and uh, I don't know. I not that I have read. I don't know if he is a Jew or he was a Roman. 
Yeah. All we know is he was a, a, a rich ruler. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it, it does not mean, a lot of people will say, oh, it means you got to sell all your possessions to be, you have to be poor. No. It just means you have to know your priorities. You have to have a balanced perspective when it comes to your money. Yeah. You have to know who gave you the money, where it came from. Yes, your your father, but it, it everything comes from God. Paul says that. Yes. Paul says that right here. Deuteronomy says that. Deuteronomy says that. To set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Yeah. So God is providing it. Oh, by the way, to enjoy it. So yes, it is okay to enjoy your money. Right. It's okay. God provides us with avenues to enjoy what we have and what he's given us and what he's blessed us with. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, as long as you have it in the right perspective. Exactly. And what does Paul do? He continues to go and talks about the proper perspective. Yep. Uncertainty of riches, but on God. So don't be haughty. Put your hopes on God. Do good. This is verse 18. Do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous. Be ready to share. Mm. I think that is the litmus test. Yeah. If you are wealthy and you, you have much wealth, how much are you giving away? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you're a millionaire and you're giving away thousands of dollars. I'm talking about you're a millionaire giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's the point of you are giving away enough to where either A, it hurts, or, or B, you can definitely tell. Yeah, You're not, again, a millionaire carrying around hundreds of dollars of bills in your, your wallet and handing out a hundred every once in a while. It's like, no, you... You are actively giving, yeah. and you're giving a lot. Be you're, you're being generous. It is being generous. It is. It is, and it could be something simple. I mean, for so for me, I, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not, whatever. Yeah. But, and this is not a. Uh, this is just an example. This is not me trying to brag or do anything like that. But it's saying like being generous. It's buying someone's meal who you know is struggling to af afford something like that. Yeah. It's like. It's not that they're going hungry and that they're necessarily, you know, going without, but it's you want them around you when you go on a Sunday lunch. You want them around you. Yeah. And you say, you know, hey, I can't go. I don't have any money. Okay, come with me. I'll take care of that. So you can be with us and fellowship with us, and I'll, you can get you can get your meal. Yeah. And it's something like that. It's it could be something that simple. That is being generous. That is maybe. And again, going out to eat is not like you have to do it to survive because obviously that's not true. But right. but I'm just saying. It's that sacrifice saying, okay, you know what? You know, this is an extra 20 bucks I could spend somewhere else I could do whatever with. Or I could do it, you know, I could go buy another ticket somewhere and do something. Yeah. But it's, no, I'm going to spend that 20 bucks and I'm going to let you fellowship with us because we want you with us and we want right. you around us. So come have lunch with us. Yeah. It's it's the, the single mom who's struggling to pay their electric bill and you say, you know what? Let's, let's pay this electric bill. Yeah. Let's keep those lights on for you. You know, it's being generous. It's taking care and meeting the needs of people within your church and within your community. Yeah, yeah. That is what Paul's talking about. It does not mean, again, to not enjoy your money, and it does not mean, again, to give all of it away. It just means be generous. Be willing to help those who need it, especially those within your church. Especially those within your church. Yeah. Meet yeah. the needs. Be generous. Do good works. Be rich in good works. Be ready to share. And therefore, you store up treasures for yourself as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. It is being aware of what really matters. And what really matters is how you serve God. Yeah. Well, and it's so cool, because, okay, for us, the, we've talked about it before, and we, we talk about it many times. What is the meaning of life? 
meaning of life is we are here to give glory to God. That, that literally that's the, the purpose why we're here. But once you get into the, the details here, Paul is also telling you what is true life here on earth. Well, true life is taking care of one another. True life is being generous. True life is, is being rich in good works and not for the purpose of being rich in good works. Again, for me, that would go back to the love of, I guess you could say, certain riches. If you are doing good works so that you are purposefully trying to put that in a way where people can understand it. So again, what are we talking about? We're talking about your love of money as the root of all kinds of evil. Well, okay, are you doing good works because you know it's going to accrue wealth in heaven? Okay, so you are being the philanthropist, going out, doing all kinds of good things. You are Oprah saying, you get a new car, you get a new car. Well, unless you're doing it for the right reasons, it, it means nothing. Right. It means nothing. But if you are doing good, being rich in good works, and you're being generous, ready to share, for the purpose of taking care of people and for God, then that is when you are storing up treasures for yourself and laying a good foundation. You're not worried about your earthly rewards. Exactly. And you're in this motive, right? When when you're when you have the right motive, you're not wor- you're not worried about, oh, good job, Brad, good job, Austin. You did a great thing there. Yeah. That's not what you're worried about. Yeah. You're worried about when you get to heaven hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. The ultimate reward, right? You're not worried. I I mean it it's doing something anonymously. It's and not saying you have to do everything anonymous. That's not what we're saying either. But I'm just saying, like, when you're you not, know you will never get credit for. Yeah, it. and you're not doing it for the credit. Yeah, it's there. There are times where, you know, only one person knows what I did for somebody else because yeah. I did it through somebody else, so it could be done. Because because I don't care about that earthly. Hey, thank you. I don't. I don't need the thank you. I don't need the acknowledgement. I was I felt led to do something and so I did it. Yeah, I'm sure Austin has done the same thing where he's given donated money or he's provided something for somebody without them knowing. And you know that that is the motive I think we should have, and that's the motive we should take is do things not expecting to thank you here. Do it because you're storing up treasures in heaven and you are going to get the you're here and getting the eternal acknowledgement and that is far more important and far greater than any earthly acknowledgement you could get right so jesus jesus speaks on this as well matthew chapter 6 start verse 1 beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them Uh, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven thus when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And that, that's it. Going back to, okay, going back to the rich. If you are giving away, but you don't notice in your, your bank account, you don't notice in your life that you are giving anything because you're, you're great, you're, you're set up, which is awesome, but you don't notice it, I, I think that could be an indication of 
maybe you're not given enough. And, and I, again, I don't know you. I'm just saying this. Um, but again, like what Chris says, do it to where your right hand doesn't even know what your left hand's doing. That, that's the point. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Take hold of that which is truly life. That's it right there, is, is knowing that the Father who sees in secret will reward you. That is what's truly life, is, is having that eternal reward, that eternal, well-done, good and faithful servant. The goal of every Christian should be to hear those terms and know those words. Yeah. And if you have a lot of money, if you're rich, and, and honestly, by the world's standards, everyone listening to this is probably rich by the world's standards. Oh, yeah. Not probably. You you are. You are. Like, you are. By the world's standards, you're not maybe rich by American standards by any means, but like you're rich in the world based on how are you using that wealth that you've been blessed with? Right. Are you using it to bless others or are you using it just to make yourself comfortable and happy? Quote, unquote, happy. I think what's also really important, too, is you're expecting a great reward. Not in the expectation sense of, you know, the... I can see the prosperity gospel. I deserve I deserve it. You put twenty dollars down, expect to get forty back. Yeah. Type deal. No, no. As Christians, as that sons, does happen sometimes, by the way, but that's a different conversation. That's a different conversation. Yeah. yeah. As sons and daughters of the king, literally j- just even through here, reading through scripture, he has told us what our great reward is. And these are these are the things you do, you know. But again, going back to grace alone, um, we can we can we can expect the great reward because he's promised it to us so you're expecting it in the sense of i am going to do my best and give my best here now on this earth and it, and i i can i can expect the great reward at at the end of this so you can expect that again not in the sense of i deserve it but it's you're expecting it because god has promised it to you so verse 20 and 21, kind of getting toward the end of this here. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. I really like incoherent, or sorry, irreverent babble. Mm. Literally, this means empty words. Yes. Paul uses this term to express a total void of spiritual meaning. In other words, human achievement amounts to nothing if it does not come from the will of God. In Paul's time, Judaizers were trying to entice believers by using clever-sounding philosophies. Paul described their hallowed talk as idle babblings. On the other hand, the teaching of Paul and the apostles was not futile. It would last throughout eternity because it originated in God's unchanging will. Yeah. So, oh, so he's going back to well, he's going back to the false doctrines that he's talked about earlier. Yeah. He's going back to being careful and not using your godliness as a means of gain. Use he he is railing again in this verse right here at the very end of chapter 6, very end of 1 Timothy, his first letter to Timothy. He is railing against the prosperity gospel. In context, that's exactly what he's doing. He is talking about this idea that we talked about earlier in chapter 6 that says you use godliness as a means to gain. Yeah. So you are proclaiming the gospel in order to be wealthy. And you're saying that if you become a believer, if you support me, if you do this, you do that, you're going to be wealthy. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. It's just not true. You might be wealthy, but that's a different thing. Like, it is not true. You are to not... Get in bed with, so to speak, these false teachers. Yeah. 
which is what Paul is railing against pretty much the entire book of First Timothy. And this gets into other things as well, besides prosperity gospel. This is getting into, okay, so knowledge. Knowledge, uh, the Greek word is gnosis, where we, we get the word Gnostic. Gnostic yep. And so the Gnostics, dur- during this time, it, it would be during this time of Paul, that's literally also why he's writing these things, uh, after Paul's death, the first several centuries of the early church, they were fighting hard against the Gnostics. And Gnostics is, is just this secret knowledge. For me, this gets into the the sect of Christianity, quote-unquote, um, where they are all about prophecy. They are all about speaking in tongues. They are all about new revelation. Well, literally, this is what Paul is talking against. Yeah. He is talking about avoid the irreverent babble, speaking in tongues. That's literally what that is. It's babbling. It's irreverent. Irreverent meaning you are going against God. You're being irreverent to God, and contradictions of what is called, falsely called, knowledge, Gnosticism. It's secret knowledge. These, these people thinking that I am getting a new revelation, not, 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 um, what do you call it when you read scripture and... General revelation. Not even general re- revelation, but scales are being lifted. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're learning something new, getting, re- yeah. In a sense, but yeah. not revelation. Right. Um, because, oh man, okay, <laughs> we're going to get too far without getting too far. Um, but, but the sense of they're getting new revelation from God that is not scripture. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, well, if that is true, if you are getting new revelation from God, that takes precedent over scripture because that is new revelation. And if it is true, new revelation that needs to be written down and put in scripture. Which, by the way, is the problem with the Mormon, one of the problems with the Mormon faith, yep. is that anybody in the Mormon faith can have a new revelation. Exactly. It, <laughs> I, I've told this story before. I, I was in a class called Theology of the Cults, and we spent a lot of time on Mormonism, because we talked about Mormonism, Christian scientists, Jehovah's Witness, and, and another, and a few others. But Mormon is where we spent our most time, because our, our professor at the time was heavily involved in missionary work with the Mormons, meaning converting Mormons to Christianity, to the point where he got blacklisted in Louisville, Kentucky. He got blacklisted from the Mormon church, meaning if he requested missionaries to come to his house, they would say no. I don't know if you know this, you can actually go online and request missionaries to come to your house from the Mormon faith, and they will. When his address popped up, he was blacklisted. He could not go because he converted two of them to Christianity, and they left the Mormon faith. (laughs) So they will not let anyone go back. Uh, he's not in Louisville anymore, but that was at the time that was his his thing. And so we spent a lot of time on the Mormon faith. And a little, just a little side note: that's how the no caffeine and no alcohol became a thing in the Mormon faith, because any Mormon can have a special revelation from God. Well, Joseph Smith's wife was very unhappy that he would go off to wherever and have a glass of whiskey and a cigar, and talk theology, and do it till he was neglecting his family at that point. He was just talking about such things. And so she had a revelation from God that he can no longer drink whiskey or alcohol and no longer smoke. Joseph Smith did not like that. Joseph Smith then says, okay, fine. I had a revelation from God that you can no longer drink your tea with your lady friends and talk about whatever you all talk about. And so it was this little tit for tat of... Okay, I can't have alcohol and, and and cigars because 
You had a special revelation? Well, fine. You can't have your caffeinated tea. And so that is how the Mormons became no alcohol, no tobacco, no caffeine. No coffee, nothing. Nothing. Because of that. Because of a little tit for tat between Joseph Smith and his wife. But that is what's that that is the biggest issue there. Whatever the prophet, whoever the prophet is, yeah. says for the Mormon church, that's what goes. Yep. Similar to Catholicism, but not I think a little more extreme than Catholicism. Uh, yeah. But yeah. similar to that with the Pope. More, yeah, writings of the papacy. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever they say, the father can have a special revelation from God for his family that contradicts what the father across the street had for his family. Yeah. But that's okay because it's special revelation, so it's right. fine. So that is what exactly what Austin's talking about. It's it's we're, you're not the secret knowledge that people claim they have. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And and I'm going to read again from MacArthur here. It says what is falsely called knowledge. It says false doctrine, anything claiming to be the truth that is in fact a lie. False teachers typically claim to have a superior knowledge, as in Gnosticism, what Austin talked about. They claim to know the transcendent secrets, but actually are ignorant and infantile in their understanding. And you go back, it, it does lead me, to believe, lead me to Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Again, it is taking what you're hearing and matching it up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't match up, it's false. Yes. It is false teaching. It is not true. Yeah. They, these people will take the Word and they will twist it. It will sound good in one sense, and there'll be nuggets of truth in it in one sense. And you'll look at him like, oh, that's what he said. That sounds great in a sound bite. But let's listen to the whole. Listen to it in context, because what they do is they take the Bible piece by piece and not in context. Yeah, They don't understand. They are ignorant. They are infantile in their thinking. They think everything is geared towards them and their knowledge and their happiness and their comfort. When everything points to Christ and everything points to God in his glory, in his renown, in his name being known and praised, yeah. not ours. Yeah. It's not about us. The Bible, they talk about being a love letter to us, and, and in some sense it is. The Bible's not about us. The Bible's not about us. Who's it about? It's about the creator of the universe. Yes. And his love for us, we are a part of that. We are key pieces to the story, but ultimately it's not about us. Oh, you're getting into a pet peeve of mine. All right, what's that? <laughs> we got a little bit of time. That's true. I no, I, I don't know what song it is, but the the song, um, you were in my story. I oh, I don't know that one. My story. I don't know, but it, I, sounds I, like Bethel though. It probably is, or or one of those <laughs> elevation. <laughs> but but the the no, that's it. It's Christians thinking that God is in their story. No. God is not in your story. God has allowed you to be in his story. This is all about him. The Bible is not... He's uh, the author of the story. He's not in it. (laughs) Sure. Well, he's not only the author, he's the main character. And he can do that, because literally it's his story. And yeah, sure, the the Bible is, you can say, a, a love letter to us, you know, whatever. But it's literally God showing his glory, revealing his glory throughout all of creation to us. That's what the Bible is. It's not a letter of redemption for us. It's not... Oh, man, you're getting me heated here. Okay, <laughs> calm down. Yes, God did love the world so that he gave his only begotten son for us. 
but this is about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. He he doesn't share his glory with anyone. No. He won't. He, he, ha- won't, he, he will has not all share, glory. He all will not share his, his glory. So he's not going to share his glory with us. Now, he shares his grace with us, his love with us. We are the pinnacle of his creation. I, I'm with you on that. And again, we are a part of his story. We are key roles. We are main characters in his story. But he is the character of the story. Like, it is all about God. The Bible is all about him. It's all about how he redeems mankind. He redeems mankind. Not about us redeeming mankind. Not about us doing anything to earn it. Or, or it's all Honestly, you look at it, you read it from Genesis to Revelation, and all you see are man's failings. Oh, yeah. That's all you see. I mean, it is constant failure after failure after failure after failure, and yet God showing grace upon grace upon yep. grace upon grace. And God's glory being shown through our failure, through destruction yeah. of nations, yeah. and literally Every aspect of Scripture, God's glory is shining. Old Testament, you the Ark of the Covenant falling, and someone saying, "I'll catch it so it doesn't hit the ground." They yep. die. Yep. Immediately. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Since we're there, let's do it. Okay. So it was awesome. Our our pastor this past Sunday, we're going through Samuel. Okay. So when Israel goes to fight against the Philistines, Eli's there. Hophni and Phineas are alive. Uh, they go out to war against the Philistines, and it and it says that the the Israelites are losing, and so they come back and they say, "Hey, we're losing," but not only are they losing, God is defeating them, and it, and it says this: God is allowing them to lose, and then they get the Ark of the Covenant. They go forth thinking that this is going to help um, help them win. And they go up and they lose. Not only do they lose, they lose the Ark of the Covenant. But Scripture never once says that the Philistines were victorious or the Philistines won. It says that God defeated Israel. Literally go through all of the Old Testament. Whenever Israel loses or is taken over, who does it? Not other countries, not other civilizations. God does it. Now, yes, God uses those people to do it. But it's because God defeated them. And, and that's it. It's things happen because God wants them to. God has ordained whatsoever has come to pass. It's a huge concept, and it's a concept that we that makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. Makes it can make me uncomfortable at times. I mean, yeah. it's not something that we we like to think we're in control. We like to think that mm-hmm. that things are random sometimes. We like to think that this, that, and the other. And the reality is nothing is random and, and we are not we are not in control, you know. Anyway, that's a different. All right. we're, we're going down a rabbit trail yeah. that we're going to go down in September, but that's we're going true. down a rabbit trail that we're not ready for yet. But yeah, getting back to what we're getting discussing. back to what we're discussing. It's making sure that you are guarding your heart, guarding your mind, guarding your soul against these false teachers, against false doctrine, against things that are ear tickling and ear pleasing and make you get the warm and fuzzies. Be careful. Go back to scripture. See if what they're saying matches. See if they are taking a verse out of context. We we need to do one of those episodes again soon. We need to do a, a verses out of context episode where we yeah. just find some common verses that people take and twist them and, and say, no, this is what it really means, and, and really try to put some perspective on that. And, and if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and listen to them. I think we've done three, maybe two. I can't remember. It's been a lot of episodes. But we've done a few episodes of those out of context. Does the Bible really say this? And And so you see the... The for the love one we talked about for the love of money is the root of all kinds of is a root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. Well, 
that gets translated as love of money or money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Like they even take the word love of. They take those out. Right. Understand what the Bible says. It is so important. That's why we started this podcast is for people to hopefully listen to us and get some insight. But more importantly, it urges them and encourages them to go in and say, okay, I want to know this. I want to know what the Bible says, why it says it. That way I can be solid. Exactly. Are you going to find a church that uh, that you agree with 100% of the time? No, you're not. Just because there are secondary issues that people are going to disagree on. When you're dealing with sinful. And you're dealing with sinful people. So like, and you're sinful. So like there's going to be things exactly. you're wrong on and they're right. So it it's you're it's not going to be 100% agreement all the time. But get to a point where you like like Austin talked about the other day where you're studying the real thing so much and you understand the real thing so much that when something fake pops up you can flag it immediately. Yeah. You don't study the fake things to learn what's real. You study the real things so you can learn what's fake. Exactly. So do that when it comes to scripture. And that is what Paul is encouraging Timothy here is saying guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard it. Yep. Know it. Learn it. Know it inside and out. Be protective of the gospel. Be protective of the word of God. Be protective of the good news and how to live and how to interact with each other and how to interact with God. Avoid irreverent babble. Avoid false teachers. Avoid contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Because when you profess that, when you get to that point, you are going to swerve from the faith. When you start following these false teachers because they sound good, you're going to swerve from the faith. Yes. Grace be with you. <laughs> yes. Ending it off. Grace be with you. Austin, any final thoughts on on First Timothy? Oh man, final thoughts. Never. Well, I any mean, final never final thoughts. thoughts yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. Any <clears throat> to wrap this up, to put a little bow on it, to finish off First Timothy. Any yeah. Thoughts? So it again, not knowing where we're going from here, if we're going to go to Second Timothy or if we'll go to a different book or not. Um, in in case we go to a different book, leaving it with this. Second Timothy chapter three, uh, Paul clarifying things and and giving giving evidence, giving actual um, he, here are things that are happening. Um, application. Uh, chapter three. <clears throat> but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people, avoid them, stay far away from them. Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. So he's saying the, the, the end times are here. They've been here since, since Christ ascended. These are the things to look for. 
And if these people are doing these things, stay away from them. He, he's not saying you need to go convert them. He's like, no, you need to stay away from them. Granted, he's talking about people who are pretty much professing Christianity as well. Um, but, but then we get into the discussions of the, the false teachers who are, you can see their church is filled with predominantly women. And not just, just women, but like um, divorced women. Women who have been married and are no longer, which that, that's a topic in itself. But among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Um, this is dangerous. And again, Paul is telling him, by professing it, some have sur- swerved from the faith. So he, he again just making sure that Timothy is fully equipped with what he's dealing with. And we need to be fully equipped as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and because, you know, Timothy had a leadership role in this church uh, and he needed some guidance on how to navigate that leadership role. Oh, yeah. And I think it's, it's so important for us to look at what that guidance is and see if our, A, our churches are, are in line and B, how do we live in light of these scriptures? Yeah. My biggest takeaway is, is going to be, Guard your heart, guard your knowledge of the scriptures. Yeah, the truth. And guard the truth. Defend it at all costs. Martin Luther said, peace if possible, truth at all costs. Guard the truth. Stand up against false teachers. And, and, and this is not like a, your pastor said something you don't like and don't agree with. You get up and you start, you nail the 95 thesis to his door. Like, we're not talking about that. But again, it's going to him and saying, listen, I need some more clarification here. Yeah. And, and saying, is this what you meant? Or... or and if it if it clearly contradicts scripture now, if it's you just being I don't want to hear this, you just disagree. That's a different conversation. But if it's a core issue and it's something that you realize you know for a fact this contradicts scripture, you got to bring it to him. Yeah. And if he doesn't, if he stands, whatever, there's different. That's a different conversation. But guard your heart against these false teachers. And and really, how do you do that? You know the word. Yes. You dive into the word. You are rooted in the word exactly what our podcast is called rooted in the word you know what you believe you know why you believe it and when you hear something that's off and that's wrong red flags go up and you can pursue that yes and you can un- you pursue a clarification understanding what did you really mean by that yeah okay that's heretical i'm out <laughs> like yeah. i can't yeah i can't be a part of this you know that sort of thing so that's where i go from first timothy so like i said if you haven't if you're starting First Timothy with this episode, maybe go back and start at chapter one and go through. Go back and listen to some of our podcast episodes about taking verses out of context and, and different things. Uh, we are going to start moving towards also, we're going to do another book, of course, here very soon. We want to start moving towards talking about some of these secondary issues, talking about the Reformed theology versus the Arminian theology. We want to kind of get into that. I think our goal is September to have some people on to really discuss and dive deep into those two issues. Because those can be very divisive, and I don't think they need to be. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't need to be divided. And we're going to try to figure that out. And, and not, well, we're not going to figure that out. <laughs> we are going we are, to figure We are going to solve a thousand-year problem, boys and girls. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But no, we're going to try to get to the heart of that issue. And, confident. Yeah, and just kind of see why it's so divisive and, and, and maybe come to an understanding of some sort. I don't yeah. know. And deepen your understanding is really the goal. Yeah. Deepen ours, deepen yours. So we're going to get into that in September. 
see what we got going on here in August. I do want to read. We got a new review, a five-star review. This person has requested to remain anonymous, so I'm going to keep that person anonymous without the username. But this first, or this person instead gave us five stars on Apple. Thank you for that. Thank you. Started from the beginning eight to ten weeks ago, and I have learned a lot over the last several weeks. I listen while at work, and it helps me stay focused throughout the day. Sad that I have to wait for new ones now, but I can, but I can't wait to see what you guys do next. We can't either. But thank you, guys. Thank it's you true. for that. It's thank true. you for the love on that. Uh, that reminds me of. I mean, that for, that's a lot of hearing us talk. Eight to ten weeks getting through all our that episodes. Is a lot. That's a lot of us just talking that's at impressive. you. So thank you for doing that. I get annoyed listening to myself. <laughs> I, I don't listen actually. Uh, full disclosure. I mean, I listen when I edit, right? Because I have to. But then I download the episode and don't listen to it because. <laughs> I've already heard it twice now. <laughs> I said it, and then I heard it. So, yeah, thank you for that. We appreciate it. That's amazing. I did that, actually, with a podcast before. And we were out west, and I'd gone through, and we drove a lot while we were out there. And so I, I went through, and I listened to my daily show that I listened to, the the sports show. And then I was like, okay, now what? Music wasn't – I wasn't feeling music because I was driving. I was like, all right, I want to hear something I can focus on. And so my buddy said, hey, why don't you try this podcast? I'm like, all right, cool. So we listened to a couple episodes, and I thought it was hysterical. Very entertaining, not deep. It, it, it is very much goofy and hilarious and clean and family-friendly. And so I'm like, all right, this is great. I, from August until, like, November, any, like, spare time I had while I was cleaning or driving or whatever, I was listening and catching up with that podcast. And I listened to, like, 200 episodes in the span of that time. Yeah. And legitimately, exactly what this person just said. Well, now I gotta wait every week to listen, <laughs> yep. to, listen to the new one. Yep, and you kind of get bummed out. But you know what? Not a bad thing. <laughs> Gets a little break from our voices. It's true. So, it's okay. So thank you for that. If you want to know what podcast that was, let me know. I'm not gonna shout it out here because they haven't paid us to. But if you want to know what podcast it is, you can text me or Facebook me or something, and I'll tell you which one it was because <laughs> it is entertaining. And I do recommend it. But anyway, we thank you guys for listening. Please go leave a five-star review on Apple if you can. Even if you don't want to write anything, just hit those five stars. That'd be awesome. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, I expect in the next episode or two to announce a little bit of a fundraising campaign for us. So we're going to get into that. Hopefully, maybe next episode, maybe not, maybe the episode after. But in the next two episodes, we will announce a fundraising campaign to uh, help us upgrade a couple things and potentially get some advertisements and potentially get to uh, Winter Jam. That is the ultimate yeah. goal, is to get a booth at the two Winter Jams that are local. We're not going to travel the country. Oh, well, that'd be cool. But we're not, we're not, we're not going to follow them around <laughs> the country to do that. That costs so much money. Uh, so thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate you guys. We love you all. We will see you all same time, same channel. In the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted.